Well, this is Brian Janikowski. Welcome to our podcast. This is Thursday, March the 1st, so recording one day earlier. Uh, I'm Christian Thwaites. I'm Emily Tegan-Burtz, and let's get started with this week's market chat. So we're talking today on Thursday, um, March 1st, Christian, and we had about a, a 1% drop um, in the market today on news that there will um, be tariffs imposed on imported steel, 25%, and imported aluminum, 10%. Now, um, the stock market didn't seem to like this. Uh, you know, obviously, President Trump is pushing this as a, um, a component of his American, America First strategy, but kind of what do you see as the consequences and perhaps unintended consequences of this action and how this will play out. Yes, well, let's look at the consequences we know about. Uh, the, the U.S. Uh, imports steel um, of about one billion dollars, sorry, three billion dollars a month, and exports about one billion dollar a month. So we're we're looking at possibly the imports of three billion dollars a month amounting to about nine billion dollars if it's a twenty-five percent tariff. Uh, over a course of a year. So all things being equal, of course, which they never are, that's the increased bill which steel users will be looking at. Um, so it's not a big number in the grand scheme of um, of the industry. I mean, steel employs about 69,000 people in, in this country out of a workforce of 138 million. Um, and obviously a $9 billion uh, essentially um, uh, input costs to manufacturers is not going to undermine profitability a great deal. But I think in the bigger scheme of things is this has been done unilaterally. This is done with not a lot of negotiation, not a lot of consultation. And so it's immediately going to trigger some sort of retort from the EU um, and some of our biggest uh, countries that import steel. That's not China, by the way. That's people like Canada and Brazil. Uh, and Mexico, and um, and then what uh, retaliatory measures, if any, they end up going through the World Trade Organization. So I I kind of view it as as it's it's a the, the market's been volatile. It's been market since February, and it sometimes a uh, a political or a policy mistake can trigger a lot of concern. And these so what tends to happen in market corrections, it isn't the one thing. It's a culmination of things, or it's one thing too many. And this is obviously something which, uh, you know, for many years we've practiced free trade. We've used the WTO as a clearinghouse. We have intended to, Im to impose unilateral tariffs, especially on such a big industry, and all that has suddenly been reversed. So I think the market was looking for a reason to sell off. It usually is. And this is what the market gave us. And so, you know, on the flip side, we so on one side we saw companies like United States Steel, which used to be a giant in this country, it was a Dow Jones original stock company, uh, but it, it's now it's a, I think it's a ten billion dollar uh, market cap. It's it's really a mid cap stock. Uh, Newcore Steel is another one, but companies which are much bigger, which depend on imported steel like Caterpillar, Boeing, Ford, all had you know fairly sizable corrections and were were down more than the steel companies were. So I think um, kind of put it all together, I think it's it's not it's it it's more what this might lead to in the bigger scheme of things and what else is going to come and now we when now we put an overlay of a great deal of uncertainty and the 
and the prospects for a policy mistake, which the market clearly won't like. And so you see this, what I'm hearing is you see this more of um, having political consequences, diplomatic consequences, as opposed to really economic, uh, hard economic consequences. Oh, no, I think the economic con consequences are there. I think they just don't know quite how to measure it now. Mm -hmm. So we've seen the price of steel. It's up 30% this year. Now, sometimes that is because energy costs go up and you know, it doesn't necessarily mean there's a shortage or a supply problem. But, you know, that that is going to feed through. And I think and I think the concern is, you know, what else, what else could come? Um, and then you've got, as you mentioned, the kind of second wave of uh, political consequences coming behind it. Mm -hmm. Will this impact the trade deficit at all, do you think? Um, no, <laughs> because we run a trade deficit of about $2.2 trillion, and we run a steel deficit of um, maybe, uh, I, th I think it's maybe $8 billion. So, you know, it's uh, it's not a lot. It's a... Uh, it's a very small part. Um, and as I said earlier, it doesn't employ a lot of people. Steel is a very capital-intensive industry. If you Last time I was in a steel mill was 30 years ago, and it was on a, you know, on a site which, which, which was probably 20 football fields, and it employed less than 100 people. You know, it's a, so it doesn't, it doesn't have a lot of uh, employment. But these are insensitive parts of the country and state, and it's a very easy part of the uh, you know, uh, uh, it's a product which you can point to, and mm -hmm. and uh, you know, and Trump was fairly vocal about trying to help industries like steel and mining uh, during his campaign. The other big event um, that we saw this week was um, Jerome Powell's debut testimony in front of uh, on Capitol Hill in front of the, the Senate and the House um, two times, and uh, on Tuesday when he spoke. He, uh, you know, communicated in a way that people thought that perhaps there was uh, a fourth um, rate hike uh, in the cards this year, or possibly. Um, can you just give us a little bit about, you know, what he did say this week and how the market reacted? Yeah, I mean, I think he did a good job. Um, it's his first time out. He's not an economist, but he also knows that he's not, and I think he's willing to seek out help. And... You know, I remember Bernanke's and Yellen's first time out in front of the Humphrey Hawkins. Uh, this was in front of the uh, House on Tuesday and the Senate on Thursday. was not particularly a spectacular performance. So I actually think he did rather well. But I, I think two things came out of it from, for me, which are interesting, which leads to this expectations of the fourth rate hike you mentioned, which is that he, he said the economy is moving along. It doesn't seem to be overheating. So that's that's good. I mean, they're certainly keeping an eye on it. Um, and the other thing I thought he said, which I thought was interesting, was that he he likes the rules-based uh, sort of monetary policy, which did, typically they talk of the Taylor rule, which is a way of uh, of gauging what the Fed funds rate should be with a number of different inputs. And the, the Fed has really moved away from that for years. But I think that he's he's looking at those. He's not going to be driven by those. And it suggests to me that he's got you know some sort of structure about and thoughts about how the rate should go, uh, should, should increase. But look, he, he, he's a committee man. There's, uh, there's 12 members on the FOMC. Um, I, I think he's, you know, he's They're, they're basically going to go ahead. It will be driven by, uh, you know, how the economy is doing. And you're right. It did, lead, it did seem to suggest there'll be a third, uh, sorry, a fourth uh, expectations. There'll be four increases sort of pretty much on the quarter starting next month in March. 
going through to September, and now the expectation is it will start in March and go through to December. But the bond market has been pretty relaxed about it, and the market actually rallied uh, quite a bit on Thursday, but I think that might have to do with the way the uh, the, the uh, stock market weakened on the back of the steel, which we've just talked about. And of course, if we do see a fourth rate hike in December, there there will be plenty of time for the market to price. Yeah, I think the one the one thing you've got to recognize that's been going on since the crash is that the forward guidance uh, um, uh, policy practice is pretty much embedded. So, uh, you know, a lot of academics have written that that QE has worked, but QE with forward guidance has probably worked even better in terms of calming the market and and I don't think anybody you know would expect something like a double rate increase which happened in I think 03 or something like that you know and has a, has it happened occasionally where they actually push it up by 50 bips instead of 25 so you know the fact that they're keeping on track with the guidance I think is a good thing great um, I also wanted to turn back to um the way that uh, the new tax bill is kind of being implemented and, and the fallout from from um, the, the cut in corporate tax rates. And, you know, a lot of the Republicans pushing the bill through the House and the Senate um, pointed to uh, the corporate tax break as positive or potentially positive to dr uh, factor to drive wages up. Um, that hasn't really been the case in terms of, of what corporations are communicating that they're going to be doing um, with these windfalls. Um, mostly we're hearing investing for growth, so capital expenditures, as well as um, cash returning to shareholders, so, so yeah. buybacks. Um, can you just give us a little bit more information about how, that, how you see that playing out um, and whether that will come to fruition in terms of, of seeing all these buybacks um, in the next 12 months or so. Yeah, I think um, the expectations were that the cut in corporation tax would lead to increased investment, increased jobs, increased wages, and then this sort of fourth category of increased shareholder returns is either going to be increased dividends or share buybacks. Now, plenty of companies have said they're going to increase capital expenditure, but over what period and 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 how much has been sort of left. There were one or two ad people who, like AT&T, gave a specific number. But in many cases, I don't think it was as, as much as they thought it was. And it, might have, it wasn't net of depreciation, so it might have actually not been that very much. And the job numbers, I, I, jobs, increased jobs, I don't know. They, a few, it haven't been a lot. There have been a few wage increases. But if you look through the companies that have announced wage increases, they're all for lower level income employees and they're for lower level income employees very near to the state minimum wages. Now state minimum wages are set uh, every year and when do they come online? In January. And so those wage increases were coming anyway and uh, you know color me skeptical a little bit but I think the CEOs were actually saying and we're going to increase the wages of our lower paid employees, which is already in the pay pipeline in order to meet uh, state mandatory minimums. So, um, And also, there, there have been some of these cash bonuses. I think Southwest, a couple of other airlines, announced $1,000 for every employee, which is nice. But there is a difference between a bonus and a wage. Wage tends to get spent. Bonus tends to get sent, spent, uh, saved <laughs> because you know people know that that's not recurring. And so they might use it for debt repaid on dividends and share buybacks. And so we saw... A huge number of share buybacks announced. It's about 170 billion dollars, uh, and um, 
you know, so the market is capitalized about 23 trillion. So it's an annual rate of about 2% of, uh, of, of the market cap, which is roughly what it's been before. But uh, so, so those are still going. And, um, you know, we write this week uh, about about how effective these share buybacks have been in either in kind of inspiring confidence or leading to better share price performance, and they actually do neither. Uh, there's a pretty, there are a few uh, um, exceptions, but generally share buybacks and subsequent stock performance uh, do not go well together. <laughs> so kind of following up on that, that statement, do you think this is the best use for these tax savings? No, <laughs> because, I mean, if you're going to take tax out of the government's revenue, which is for the use of all, and essentially pay it back to owners of capital, which is a much smaller part of that subset, then uh, you've created a, uh, a wealth redistribution in favor of, uh, you know, capital owners, which um, I don't think is what the economy needs right now. It You know, it will... It will generally increase asset prices of equities, but you know, and there is a kind of wealth effect going on. I understand that uh, with people owning that and their four hundred one k investments, but uh, I'm still not sure it's going to tackle the underlying problems of low productivity growth, low wage growth, and underutilization under of the labor force. That the first two are known and documented and factual. The third one is a little bit of a more of a uh, of an opinion rather than a fact, but uh, you know, I, I do feel that uh, to some extent the labour force is is underutilised, and I don't think these tax uh, cuts are going to make addressing of those three major problems. Now we've talked about this divide before in terms of of kind of the anemic wage growth representative of Main Street uh, versus uh, you know the, the climbing asset prices um, representative investors um, and and capital holders. So. Um, Perhaps this has the um, potential to to kind of compound that problem in the future. Yeah, I don't, well, I don't think it's going to solve it. You know, right. so uh, we'll, we'll see. Um, but uh, you know, right now the first wave has been more buybacks and and less hard numbers in those other areas: the investment, the wages, uh, and the jobs. All right. Well, thank you, Christian. Thanks to you for listening, and please join us next week. Thanks, everybody. And here's a disclosure. Please note this discussion of our investments, investment strategy, including our research investment process, represents our investments, investment strategy at Davis Commentary, is subject to change without notice. We cannot assure that the types of investments discussed in this commentary will outperform any other investment strategy in the future, nor can guarantee that such investment will present the best or attractive risk adjusted investment in the future. This is for general informational purposes only. References to individual securities should, be construed, should not be construed as a recommendation to buy or sell that security. The security is mentioned in this commentary. Are only several as successful as unsuccessful investments by us and do not represent all the securities we have purchased or recommended. Although we deem reliable the sources of statistical and other information referred to in this commentary, we cannot guarantee the accuracy or completeness of any such statements or numerical data passports. There's no indication of future results.